welcome to David Speaks, a channel for helping you grow and learn and become stronger as a person, a channel for helping you become silent and calm and intelligent and be a better human. Welcome everyone. Today, I'm going to try and um, give you give you a, the clearest explanation that I possibly can at this current current moment, and at least about how about free will and determinism and uh, the way that I'm going to do this is by referencing a past episode called Understanding evolution in the clearest ways possible. An explanation of the seven densities of consciousness. Gonna be gonna be uh, referencing this, and I'm gonna be explaining this fully. And I'm also going to be using. This in regards to free will and to I'm going to be explaining this in regards to free will and determinism as well because there's some nuance here between these two. Um, so if you haven't seen that episode about seven densities of consciousness. I'd recommend you watch that, or you'd listen to that episode, because it is important. And it will give you a, a really good understanding of yourself. Not only yourself, but how, why things have been, that, that, have, that, are, that are happening or happening right now. Um, and much has to do with these seven densities of consciousness, because we're currently moving from the third to the fourth level or the fourth density of consciousness, and we're, and because that's happening, we have to undo and a lot of the the bullshit that comes from the third density of consciousness. And so here we are. So, the first density of consciousness. I talked about this on the that that episode I'm talking about. I talked about earlier in this episode. The, on the on the first density of consciousness, when it first starts, we know nothing. We've forgotten everything that we knew before this started. Before this density started. And so we have to start fresh as something new, something that's not moving, you know, like a rock or, you know, whatever it is. Something that's mostly just awareness. And then they move up to the second density eventually, which takes millions of years, which is somewhere where you can now move, which can, you know, you start small, you know, maybe like a slug or a sloth or something. Then you move upwards until you finally get to animals that become self aware or get close to that level 
like you know bird uh, a magpie has level of self-awareness so some monkeys things like this and each level of each density that is of consciousness when you move from the first density to the second density that is you know nothing about the second density you know everything there is to know about the first density more or less but you don't know anything about the second density For the most part. And so you have to pretty much start from scratch. And so you you do that. And then you go to the third density. And the same thing. You know pretty much nothing about the third density. But you know know almost everything about the second and first density. And so this causes an interesting phenomenon of learning about the third density. But really, this isn't as important on this episode. I just wanted to give you this to give you a way of understanding how this works. But there's actually a clearer way of understanding this. When you're born, if you're born, that is, but let's just let's just assume that that's true, that you're born. You are something that, that is born, and there's something that gives birth to. And these things are bodies, you know, you're, you and your parents. So let's say you're, you're born, and when you are born, you know nothing about the world that you are placed in. And not only do you know nothing, you're not giving you're not given any instructions about how to work in this world. You're not given given a mind manual. You're not given a manual about relationships or about morality or about philosophy or self-help or any of this stuff. You're not given a manual on how to get a job, how to get further education and stuff like this. You get it. You get what I'm trying to say. So you're not given any of this stuff. And so as you grow older, you learn a little bit. You know, it's small at first because you don't know anything. You literally know nothing about anything when you are born. And so, you, you get older, you grow, and you learn a little bit more every, every day because you, you have past knowledge past experience to understand thing more and more things but first you have to start small you have to start somewhere and you don't really know anything like I said and so you start really small I mean it's not even as small as learning how to walk it's actually smaller than that like learning how to you know get food for yourself from your mommy or from the bottle or whatever you whatever this is being used and then you have to kind of start from there and then you can go a little bit fa- fa- like a little bit 
more, a little bit more, a little bit more, until you learn how to walk. But before that, you know nothing else. And you have to take certain steps to get to that point that you, you yourself are not aware of. And then you have to learn them from scratch. Which causes... Which can lead to certain variables and certain problems. Because you, you don't know everything. And so that's going to cause failures. And it's going to cause, you know, inaccurate ways of doing it. And, and stuff like this. It's kind of thing that we're burdened with as people. As uh, supposedly living, thinking beings. Um... And so, this goes on and on and on and on <clears throat> until until now, until here. And so that all that you have learned and understood and believed and, and uh, thought was meaningful and useful and true and factual and uh, correct and morally uh, superior or correct, and all that you thought you were, and all your identities, and all these things create your mind reality. And within this mind reality, there are certain things that are true and certain things that are not true. And so, what does this have to do with free will versus determinism? So, to explain this properly, there are certain things that you do have free will about, but in order to exploit, explore this properly, we're going to go with the things that you don't have any free will over, for the most part. Um, and the first thing to look at is thoughts. You have very little free will, if any at all, for the most part, about the thoughts that you have because they're coming from nowhere. They're coming from what I'm going to call the past you or the past inside of you. Or, in other words, the mind itself, which is not necessarily you at all but there's um, a collection or a an amalgamation of all of these different things we talked about you know identity beliefs morals morals understandings lessons that you may have learned that you took to heart and stuff like this all these different things. These are the past amalgam. This this is the past inside of you. This is the mind. And this, you have no free will over. They have already happened. And they are. very much a kind of barrier to freedom free will um, and the thoughts that you have come from nowhere they don't really come from anywhere and the mind itself that we so think we are and this so called self that we think we are comes from nowhere it doesn't really exist but there are uh, some things that you do have free will over. And what they are is the variations between these different thoughts, uh, in a sense, and different decisions and, and whatnot. So, for instance... Say you, you are faced with a situation 
And depending on how much, how emotional you are, because it also affects these, this as well, because the more emotional you are on a situation or whatever, especially if they're so-called negative emotions, the more unconscious you are, you are going to be, therefore the less free will there is going to be in that situation, if any free will at all. But let's say that's not there. Let's say there's no real emotional response that's happening. Let's say you're you're moderately calm, and uh, say there's a situation where you personally know of three or four different things you can do in that current situation. And you're currently aware of these three or four different things you can do. That is what you have free will over. Choosing those things. Most things you don't have free will over. Moving your body, you, for, for the most part, have no free will over because the mind says to move the body, and the body moves. It's not something that you decide, necessarily. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen that way because like I said it's, it's a bit more nuanced and your body is obeying instructions from the brain but those instructions are being obeyed not by you those instructions are not coming from you they're coming from ideas of the past about what the body can do and, and and stuff like this and the variation that creates a free will in that situation is um, well it depends on the situation and it depends on how where you are in that moment um, but if you're not aware of moving your body in that current moment or if you're not aware of the thought of moving your body in that current moment and it moves almost unconsciously without you really making a decision that was not a free will decision and it is a bit complicated because there's there's a lot of variables here and um it basically comes down to ultimately uh, these variables these different variations upon the decisions that you can make so For instance, if you are emotional, if you have strong emotions about something, you you are going to be having a decision that's very narrow. Maybe you're going to uh, uh, use a cognitive distortion to... Uh, you know, make only two decisions. Use polarized thinking, which will say something like, you're with us or you're against us, or I'm a failure or I'm a success. Uh, or some other cognitive distortion like, I, I'm, a, I'm a failure, I'm a loser. And then when somebody points out a, an instance where this isn't correct, you're going to, you know, you're going to uh, dismiss this idea. Oh, that's, you know, that's one example. That's one instance. Um, 
you know, I made I made an episode a while back about cognitive distortions. There's so many of them, and uh, if you're not aware that these are inaccurate ways of looking at life, if these, you know, if you're not aware that these are not only inaccurate ways of looking at life, but um, if you're not aware that they're themselves perspectives rather than what you would consider to be reality you wouldn't have any free will about that those choices that you would have made based on these cognitive distortions so it all basically comes down to awareness and the variations So, for instance, say you're in a situation where there's three or four different choices that you can make. But then say you you made those choices, and then you found out months later that there's actually another choice that you could have made that may have been better than the choice that you made. That choice was not aware to you, thus you didn't have free will about that choice at that time. And there's also the pro- the, the problem of forgetting things. This also plays into free will versus determinism. If you've forgotten something, that means you have less free will than you did when you didn't forget it. Maybe you knew about it and then you forgot about it. That happens sometimes. And so there's all kinds of different nuances and variables here that lead to less or more free will, and they're not necessarily in your control. Um, you know that the, for instance, if you if you didn't know about that idea, like for instance, like you have a, you have a situation where. There's those three or four choices, but then a couple months later, you found out about a better choice. If you didn't know about that choice, um, you couldn't have made that decision. Or if your mind didn't come up with that choice beforehand, you, you, you had no free will about that choice, but you did have free will about the other choices Depending on how aware you are and depending on how much um, time you have on that choice, that choice that you have to make, and depending on how conscious, how calm you are, and depending on other factors like this. And so this creates an interesting problem of sorts. An interesting conundrum, not really a problem, of where predeterminism in its its, uh, most extreme form comes from and why it is in some ways correct, but in some ways is misleading, in a sense, because it's it's using... um, logical understanding to come to this conclusion but it's it's very much um, a one-sided coin that does not consider the opposites because of what is what is called uh, reductionism and most most of those most of the people in this camp of predeterminism, of this extreme form of only predeterminism and not, you know, free will, or what I'm talking about here, which is, um, you know, what what is called compatibilism. Um, between these two extreme choices, this one extreme choice of, you know, predeterminism, most of the time this idea comes because of Materialism and the brain and the ideas of the brain and 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 science and stuff like this, and 
interpretation of these things. Um, if you want to know more, more about that, you can see my inter- episode about interpretation that I made. Specifically, you know, I made it because, you know, a lot of people have this idea that science is always correct. Or is correct because of facts and, and stuff like this. Or that, you know, it's only about the facts when it's just, it's not necessarily that tr- that way at all. But that's, that's another subject. Uh. For another day. Uh, anyways. So. Predeterminism. In its extreme form. Of no free will at all. And there's no. No. Um, in between. Between free will. And no. No free will. Which means that there's no. Time at all. Where free will. And no free will can exist. There's no. Co- coexistence between those two. You have a. This is what's called reductionism, where you have this only this one thing can exist. In a sense, it's also like an absolutism type of thing. There's no real nuance or you know true understanding of how this stuff is and why it works the way it works. And this leads to more ignorance, more or less understanding of, of what's actually happening. This is one of the problems that I have with absolutes and uh, stuff like this. <clears throat> it's that, you know, it, I understand why, it, why that happens. And that's that's also another problem. That's another also another variable that that leads to less or more free will, depending on how absolute or relative you are in the current situation. And it's very nuanced. It's very complicated because there are even past decisions. You know, because what predeterminism does is it simplifies things to say that. All of your decisions now are caused because of the brain and caused because of past decisions and the past decisions before that, before that, and before that, and until you, you, you were born, type of thing. And those were caused because of that and that and that until the Big Bang and, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's reductionism. And it's putting things down to the most common denominator possible. And there's a couple of problems with doing this, which I might go into in other episodes. Um, But mainly it has to do with the fact that the world is not quite that simple. Um, and putting it in those terms um, what it does is it is it um, kind of makes you more ignorant in a sense and I don't mean ignorance in, in, in the way that most people mean ignorant like oh you're you're so dumb I'm talking ignorance as as uh, as purely as possible here, like ignorance, like you don't know, not because you're dumb, but because you're you're limiting the aspects of reality that you 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 now can't see because you have this absolute understanding that you think is absolutely true, and that's pretty much what I always mean when I'm talking about ig- ignorance. Um, <clears throat> and I know it's very complicated what I'm trying trying to explain here because when it comes to free will versus not free will, we have this problem of 
absolutism. And this is true for a lot of things. This is why there's so many things that limits our free will. That's not even. It's not just about the brain. It's also about, like I said, these limiting understandings that aren't uh, representing all aspects of reality. And it has to do with this understanding of Oakham's razor. And Oakham's razor basically states um, more or less that if if reality isn't simple, and I'm, I'm um, you know, I'm kind of like rephrasing this. I'm paraphrasing this because you know, it is. I, I don't remember exactly how it was stated, but if uh, reality is very complex, we can simplify this as much as possible and thus understand reality better in, in a sense. But the problem with this is that that's not how this works. If you really want to understand reality, you have to understand all of reality, which is not po- possible to be fair, but. You cannot understand it by simplifying it. You cannot understand it by saying simplifying it in this way because then you're ignoring aspects of reality for um, you know because you're because of your interpretations of reality. Because in order to do this, in order to um do this in order to simplify reality this way you would have to ignore things in particular that go against what you think of reality what what do you observe from reality what science is saying about reality and this causes several problems one of the biggest ones is there are now multiple interpretations of reality and science is known better than philosophy at that point, pretty much. I mean, it's a little bit better, but that's basically what you're getting from from using Oakham's razor. Number two is there's no way of changing this for the most part, unless you dare to question it or unless you come across some insight that changes what you see. Um, And so you can then go, oh, wow, things are actually different than what we originally imagined type of thing. But before that, you, you don't have that capacity. That happens later. That happens because maybe you see, observe something and maybe it breaks through your worldview, and then maybe you go, "Oh my God, things are totally different here." That's number two. Number three is it deadens reality within your eyes, and then you think that everything there's no misery, there's no, you know, because with with Occam's razor, it all comes down to this one interpretation: materialism, for instance, like the idea that consciousness. All these things that we are, or seem seem to be anyways, are because of the brain itself. Or, you know, maybe it's... Or the idea that reality is, you know, a certain way, rather than many ways... 90% of the Oakham's razor comes from materialism. 90% of the cases that I've seen when it comes to Oakham's razor comes to this idea of materialism, that there is a material reality in this type of thing. Not saying that there isn't or is. I'm just saying that this is where it comes from. This is why this idea of material reality is not necessarily correct or incorrect. It's because they're interpreting understanding and, and facts and stuff like this in this way. But it nece- not necessarily it means this at all. 
And this part of this comes from Oakland Fraser. Try to simplify everything down to its simplest understanding means that you have to ignore parts of reality in order to do this properly. And so what this does is then when other people come out and say, well, this is not what this means based on quantum physics and based on this, uh, you know, if you if you know anything about the hidden messages of water, um, you know, there's there's some experiments, and some people you know some people doubt it, and a lot of people doubt it, and you know say it's junk science and stuff like that. It may or may not be. It's not my. It's not really the point. But the point is, some you know, a doctor, I think it was, found that if you spoke to water. And you know, said things like "I love you" or "I hate you" or labeled water in certain ways. It reacted differently, and it crystallized differently based on what you said it. And love crystallized as something beautiful, and hate, you know, became something twisted and ugly. And you know, there's some people who say that that's junk science and stuff like this, but that's all because of Oakham's razor. It's all ignoring parts of reality because it doesn't fit with your absolute understanding of reality. Because Oakham's razor has to basically boil down things down to absolutes in order for this to, in order for this to work properly. Um. And so, you see this everywhere, not just in science. You see it with politics, spirituality, religion, God, understanding itself, intelligence. You know, what do you believe and understand? Or simplify that, boil it down. And there can be uses in doing this. Don't get me wrong. Um, but ultimately, if you want to understand reality properly, and if you want to understand things properly, you don't want to do this. It can be useful and helpful when, you know, doing like a podcast like this, and you're trying to explain things properly like this. But it is not something to do when you really want to understand things properly. Because you're going to be ignoring things. And you're going to be using interpretation to... And that's going to be happening anyways, but it's more going to be happening in this kind of situation of using Oakham's Razor. But anyways, you're going to be using interpretation and you're going to be using... Um, you know, certain philosophies to do this properly. And you know, scientists might be like, but we don't use philosophy or interpretation. But that is not true at all. And that's never, it's never been true um, at all. And it's probably never going to be true because the mind... With or without your noticing is interpreting reality, is interpreting what you're seeing, is interpreting what is happening. Despite what you're thinking, it's happening. Or despite what you may be thinking is happening, it's, it's still happening. You know, like I said, I gave you that one example in, in one episode a while back, a little, in that episode about interpretation, actually, where what what they do is they say, they, they show you this study where the brain made the decision for the person seven seconds before the person even realized it and then made the decision. And then that, that says that in their minds, that proves that free will doesn't exist. But that's not really what it means. 
it doesn't really mean anything inherently. And so what we're doing is we're put, we're making we're putting meaning in place of what is actually happening because with the facts themselves and with what's actually happening, there's no meaning inherently in that. Now that comes later with interpretation and with, with the meaning that we didn't get out of this. And you know the the thing that really is interesting to me is how how mad that makes a lot of these so-called skeptics and scientific people who think they're you know rational and scientific and who do use this Occam's razor to come to these conclusions because what it shows them without them realizing is how flawed their mechanisms are. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong or that they're correct or incorrect. There's some there's definitely some correct parts about what they're saying. But the problem is that most of what they're using and what most of what they're doing is interpretation. Scientists are not fact makers or fact finders. Ultimately that's what they are doing, but when they find these facts whatever they are the facts but by themselves don't really make sense and so they interpret things they they have to interpret things in order for them to come to some kind of conclusion i could i could give you like a million facts in the in the world right now but without interpreting them they wouldn't make any sense to you And so the mind is trying to understand and, and make as much meaning of things as possible. One of those ways is through religion. One of those ways is through science. One of those ways is through philosophy or, you know, whatever, skepticism or Pyrrhonism, which I haven't really talked about yet in this, uh, you know, podcast because <clears throat> it is a bit more complicated. It's, it's something that um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I might do an episode on in the future, but it's going to have to be done a little bit del- delicately. Like this episode, I, I wanted to do this for a while as well, but it is a very complex topic. Probably one of the more complex topics that I've done. Um, because it goes very deep. And it is impacting all of your life in some form or another. And uh, <clears throat> the problem here is that even though I, I talk about how they're not realizing that they're using interpretation here, fact is that we're all using it and so it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm just blaming and accusing them because they're using interpretation because that's not what I'm doing <laughs> they're just one example a really easy example if you if you know where to look for it to show you this but we're all doing this and whether it's right or wrong is another subject I don't think it that's the right answer because right or wrong is just another interpretation of this. And uh, these interpretations themselves uh, equate to more or less free will depending on what this depending on what this interpretation is. And depending on how strongly you believe this interpretation or believe that it is true or false or whatever, or maybe it's mostly true or mostly false or, you know, whatever, how skeptical you are about this interpretation or lack thereof also plays into this idea, this, this uh, how much free will you have in this situation.
and so this this creates this this um not creates hold on this equates to a large a very very large um amount of difference between you know the possible free wills that you may have somebody who is a lot more relative in a certain situation may have a little bit more free will than someone who doesn't who isn't as relative someone who's also more aware and more relative has even more free will than someone who isn't aware as aware but is still very relative and so all of these things all of these and there's even more understandings here that add to and take away free will <clears throat> that you know you could come you could understand but all of these different things they play a part in free will or determinism because there's no absolute free will there's no absolute predeterminism that just is something that I you know that doesn't really it doesn't really matter as much because predeterminism this this absolute form even if that's true at the end of the day you're still going to have to do what you're doing you're still going to work you're still going to you know you know, do whatever it is that you're doing. You're still going to have to find more peace and calmness in order to deal with your emotions in some way. If you if you want to be calm, or if you want to be happy, or if you want whatever it is that you want. So this understanding of absolute predeterminism in this situation doesn't really matter. Because you're still going to have to do these things. I mean, you can try and just say, "Okay, that that, that means that means not, that nothing I do matters," or not really nothing I do matters. But I don't have free will, so I might as well just do whatever I want to do. So, in the end, it doesn't really matter. This idea of predeterminism, because. You are going to be doing whatever it is you're going to be doing anyways. And this idea that I've shown you does matter because it gives you as much as I can give you. And this by no means is a definitive guide or definitive understanding of this because there's a lot more that can go into this. Uh, a, a, um, a more accurate understanding inter- uh, of this and interpretation of this as well, to be fair, um, that you can then use to say, so how do I gain more free will or an awareness and how do I increase the variations of you know, free will that I get. And there's many ways of doing this. And I might make an episode about that in the future. Because there's a lot of ways to do this, but you can interpret how to do this based on the things that I, that I gave you here that increase or decrease free will. And, uh, you know, from that, you can then start noticing some results. So, I'm going to give you some things to <clears throat> deal with. And, you know, a lot of the things that I've talked about is, is uh, helping you to 
become a little bit more free of the of free predeterminism. But one thing to understand is that you cannot completely undo predeterminism because there are still things that you cannot undo. You cannot undo the fact that you have genetics and body and a brain that limit you. Those things do have have uh, li- limit you in a lot of ways, but you are a lot freer. There's a lot more freedom and fluidity than people realize that you can come into. But in order to do that, you have to get rid of a lot of the paradigms that you have that limit you. That like this idea that things have to be absolute or you know correct absolutely and <clears throat> your beliefs or your spirituality can let many can limit you in a lot of ways and your science and your religion and your emotional states and uh, your unawareness in each moment and this type of thing. It's a very complex and nuanced topic. Probably the most complex and nuanced topic that I've talked about on this podcast. Because there are hundreds of millions of variables that influence the, the, the amount of free will that you have in each moment. So, anyways, this is Davis Beeks, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.